Well, welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Greg, and I am so glad that you are listening right now. Listen, man, life is hard, but we are here to help you. And so I hope you enjoy today's message. And man, our, our, our real prayer and our real hope is that, that the message today will help you take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. I want you to think about a time when someone did something for you. I mean, I'm talking about something that was so generous, so nice, so open-handed, so out of the ordinary, that when you think about it, when you think about what they did, when you think about how generous they were toward you, you can't help but smile. You can't help but feel that warm feeling in your heart. I mean, right now, I mean, and again, this could have happened years ago, even decades ago, you still feel the impact of their generosity toward you. Now, I want you to to hold that thought or hold that feeling for a second. Now, we're in a message series that we're calling We Are Miami Church, and we're talking about the, the why behind the what. Who are we? Why do we do what we do? Why do we serve? Why do we give? What's our passion, our, our mission, our vision? A couple of weeks ago in part one, we, we asked the question, why? Why do we exist? I mean, what, what's our reason? What is our, our vision? What is our core purpose? And here's what we said. Miami Church exists to help people find and follow Jesus. It exists to help people find and follow Jesus. Again, help. We're helpers. We have a God-given opportunity to use our our God-given talents and gifts to help. To help who? To help people. It's all about people. We're talking about your family. We're talking about your friends, the people that you love, your neighbors, your coworkers, you. To help people find. Find. To help people discover. To help people understand. To help people to bump into Jesus. To help people who are exploring and asking questions and have doubt. See, we want you to bump into Jesus. We want you to discover life and purpose and meaning. Help people find and follow. We believe Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. And we want to help you live the life that you were created to live and all of the purpose and all of the meaning. We want to help people find and follow Jesus. See, Jesus. Jesus is our reason. Jesus is our message. And our vision, our core purpose, the reason we exist is to help people find and follow Jesus. Now, the next question we ask after why we exist, then then what do we do? If that's our our core purpose, then what do we do? What what is our mission? Like, what what are our actions? What, What do we do day in and day out? And we said this. We create environments. You could say experiences, but we we create environments. We create environments where people are inspired and encouraged and equipped to pursue an authentic, real, dynamic relationship with Jesus. An environment where people can bump into Jesus. Environments where people are inspired and motivated, challenged and encouraged. I mean, we're talking about environments on Sundays, in this space, online environment. We're talking about environments in homes and in coffee shops throughout the week. We have neighborhood teams, which are smaller groups of people who get together. We have serving teams, people who are serving together. 
We create environments. The next question then would be, well, what, what do you value? Why do you exist? What do you do? What do you value? We're talking here about our way of life, like how we live or how we strive to live. And last week in, in part two of our series, we talked about our first value, and, and it's this word, hospitality. Hospitality. The quality or disposition of receiving and treating family, guests, friends, and strangers in a, look at, warm, friendly, generous way. It's, it's why we say, man, at Miami Church, our goal, our dream, we strive to be the most welcoming place in Miami-Dade. We want to be the most friendliest place in all of Miami. Miami Church exists to help people find and follow Jesus. And we do this by creating experiences. We do this by creating environments. Environments where people can bump into the power and the presence of Jesus. And we do this by removing as many barriers, as many obstacles as we possibly can that keep people from encountering Jesus. Because of this mission, because of this vision, we value hospitality. We strive to be the most welcoming and kindest place in Miami. Now, today, in part three of our series, We Are Miami Church, here's what I want to do. I want to make a statement. I want to share a personal story, and and then I want to offer a couple of different mindsets, okay? Statement, story, mindset. So here's the statement. At Miami Church, we value irrational generosity. We truly believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. Statement. Now, here's a story, personal story. My, my wife and I, my wife Whitney and I, we were married in 2008. And, and while we were dating, I was living in Chicago and she was living in Memphis. And during our dating season, we became really good friends with this couple uh, who would become our neighbors in Chicagoland. And they were older than us. They were like 25 years older. In fact, they had grown kids our age and we just became fast friends with this couple. And he owned this company. It was a construction company. And they would go in and buy and renovate and sell homes right there in our neighborhood, in our part of Chicagoland. And it was unbelievable. I mean, he was so talented. And his work was amazing. Like the before and after was amazing. Well, anyway, I'll never forget one day we're hanging out with this couple. And he, he looks at me and he says, hey, hey, Greg, where are you guys going to live once you're married? He says, hey, I got this house on Summit Street, which, I, again, it's this beautiful street right in the village, two blocks from the metro station. And he says, you guys could live there. And I'm like, well, thank you, thank you, um, but we, we can't afford that. So I'd been living in Chicagoland for years at that point, and, and I knew the cost. I, I knew the housing cost. It's like, hey, thank you. That's very kind of you even to bring this up, to think of you, but, but we can't afford that. And he looks. He says, "He says, well, what, what do you pay monthly for your little flat on Huff Street?" And I had this little small flat that I had been living in for years. And I said, "Well, I, I mean, I pay six hundred and fifty bucks a month." And he looks at me and he says, "That's the rent. That's the monthly rent for the house on Summit." And I'm like, "What? I mean, that's." Thousands less than the going rate. That's like twenty percent of the fair market value. Back to my opening question. Remember when someone did something for you, something that's so generous and so nice and so open-handed and so 
out of the ordinary. That, that when you think about it, when you think about what they did, when you think about how, how generous they were toward you, you can't help but smile. You can't help but feel that warm feeling in your heart. See, even today, right now, when I think about this couple and what they did for my wife and I 14 years ago, see, we still feel that impact. I mean, what, what is that? It's irrational generosity. And it doesn't make sense on paper. The math doesn't add up. Yet the impact is felt for years and for decades, and I would argue even for a lifetime. See, at Miami Church, we value, we strive for irrational generosity. We truly believe the words of Jesus that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, let me offer you two quick perspectives, two mindsets, if you will, and about generosity. One mindset and another mindset. So one mindset is what I'm going to call the bag mindset, okay? The bag mindset. And this mindset, when it comes to generosity, says there is never enough. There's never enough. Now, this is honestly my default mindset. This is actually the mindset that I wrestle with on a regular basis. In fact, I think most of us that live in Miami, this is the mindset that we have, right? I just can't get ahead. I'm always struggling. I wish I could be more generous. I wish I could give more, but I, can't, I just can't afford to. I've got, I've got loans, and, and I've got a car payment, and I, and I would love to, but man, the cost of living around here, I just, I don't have enough in the bag. There is just not enough. There was a Greek medical doctor, a guy named Luke, who actually recorded uh, the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, and he recorded one in Luke 12, beginning in verse 13. Look what he wrote. He says that someone in the crowd spoke to Jesus. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family property with me. 14, Jesus said, friend, who made me a judge or umpire between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Look at this. Be on your guard against wanting to have more and more things. Life is not made up of how much a person has. Life is not defined by what you have. Verse 16, and Jesus told a story. He said, there's a rich man, and the certain rich man, it produced a very large crop. And the man thought to himself, what should I do? I, I mean, I don't have any place to store all my crops. My barns aren't big enough for all my stuff. I need a bigger house. I need a newer car. I need to freshen up my wardrobe. 18. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build bigger ones. I will store my extra grain in them. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain stored away for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and have a good time. Verse 20, God said to him, you foolish man. Tonight I will take your life away from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Now this word fool or foolish, is, it really means reckless. It's this idea of wasting your opportunity, of, of wasting your life. And I love what he says, for what? All of this for what? I mean, when you're gone, when you die, I mean, who gets it? You can't. Take it with you, reckless, foolish. Look what Jesus says. This is how it will be for whoever stores things away for themselves but is not rich in the sight of God or not rich toward God or, or to put it in the way we're talking, irrationally generous. See, the bag mindset says, I mean, there is not 
enough. There is never enough. You've got to hold the bag tight. You've got to keep a firm grip. You've got to close your hand. You better, you better grab it as tight and hold as tight as you can. Now, the, the other side, the opposite mindset, is what I'm, I'm going to call it the basket mindset. Now, the basket mindset says there is enough. There's not enough. There is enough. And it's more of this perspective like, hey, I've been so blessed. God has been good to me. People have been good to me. And I'm aware of it. And I'm grateful. And this mindset is illustrated by maybe one of the most well-known stories of all time. I mean, even if you're not a Jesus person or a Bible person, you're familiar with the feeding of the 5,000. Now, whoever came up with the feeding of 5,000, they really kind of shortchanged Jesus in the story because there were 5,000 men. If you begin to include women and children, it was probably closer to 20,000. And John tells us what happens. John 6, he says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It's called the Sea of Tiberias. So again, context, Jesus leaves Jerusalem. He heads north back to Galilee. He's trying to get some rest. He gets on a boat, goes to this kind of remote area, area, and John is eyewitness. He's there. He's an eyewitness to the story. And John says a large crowd of people followed Jesus because they had seen the signs that he had done by healing sick people. And so Jesus goes up on a mountainside, and he sat down with his disciples, and the Jewish Passover feast was near. And Jesus looked up, and he saw a large crowd coming to him. Again, he's tired. He's He's, he's looking for a rest. And he, he looks over at one of his disciples named Philip. And he says, hey, where can we buy bread for all these people to eat? And he only asked this to test Philip. He already knew what he was going to do. You can just imagine Philip like, are you, are, you, are you joking? I mean, food for all of these people? There's like thousands of people coming this way. Verse 7, Philip answers, suppose we were able to buy enough bread for each person to have a bite, one bite. That would take more than half a year's Hey, and Jesus, he asked Philip, hey, hey, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed all these people? And what's interesting is Philip was actually from a nearby town about nine miles away. And so Jesus knew that he knew the area, that he knew the local markets and the restaurants. And, and maybe you can probably relate to how Philip is feeling. Like your boss ever come into your office or walked in and says to you, hey, I'm going to need this, and I'm going to need that, and I'm going to need this, and I need it yesterday. <laughs> You're like, Right. Yeah, let me get right on that. Come on, man. Are you crazy? Really? And you got to think Philip is going, uh, really, Jesus? Like, come on. Are you, are, you, are you joking me? How am I going to do that? Look what John records. He says, another of his disciples spoke of, and it was Andrew, Simon's Peter brother. And here's what he says. Here's a boy with, with five small loaves of barley bread, and he also has two small fish. But how far will that go in such a large crowd? Now, here's the best part of the story. Because you have an unnamed little boy who becomes the star of the show. We don't know anything about him. We don't know his name. And you can just imagine this conversation, right? This little boy walks up and he's like, uh, hey, mister, I got five loaves of bread and two fish. You're like, like, just quiet, kid. Keep, keep it down. Can't you see that we're trying to figure this out? Can't you see there's thousands of people here? And the little boy's like, well, well, this is all I've got. And you can have it. Here's my basket. And this one act of irrational generosity was the catalyst for one of Jesus' most amazing miracles. Okay? And here's going to be the principle. What you keep is what you have. What you give, God multiplies. What you hold tight to is all you have. What you give generously, God multiplies. 
And see, when you put what you have, whatever it is you have, when you put it in God's hands, you trust Him with the results. You trust Him with the math. You trust Him with the impact. But here's the problem, and I do this all the time. We let what we cannot do keep us from doing what we can. I mean, this is, this is so easy, right? To let what we cannot do keep us from doing what we can. And this is so true of me. In fact, psychologists have a, have a name for this, and they call it the, the drop-in-the-bucket effect. And here's what it says. If you feel overwhelmed by the scale or the size of the problem, you often don't do anything because you just don't think you can make a difference. The problem's too big, so you don't do anything. You become paralyzed. You can't move. It's just not enough. The problem is too big. There's not enough. There's never enough. And what happens is the head, the logic gets in the way of the heart. And the logic doesn't make sense. The math doesn't add up. It doesn't work on paper. And so the head, the logic, gets in the way of the heart. But what I love about this story is not for the little boy, not for the unnamed, nameless little boy. He didn't know any better. He didn't know you needed thousands of dollars to feed that many people. He didn't know it took a year's wages. All he knew was, hey, man, I got five loaves and I got two fish. I got a basket and, and, and you can have it. I'm willing to share. I'm willing to give. It's irrational generosity. It doesn't make sense on paper. It doesn't add up. The math doesn't work. But when you put what you have, Whatever you have, when you put what you have in God's hands, when you give generously, you trust him with the results. And this nameless young boy, he shares, and he shares what he has, and it's not much. Oh, it's not enough. It's never enough, but I'll just share what I have. And because he shared, it's one of the most famous stories in history. So contrast these two mindsets, right? The bag mindset. Hold tight, close tight, keep your fist tight. It's not enough, there is not enough, there is never enough. I want to, but, I really want to, but, but I just can't, it's not, not enough. To the basket mindset. You know what, it's all I got. I don't know if it will make a difference, but, but you can have it. Here, here you go, I'll give what I've got. I'll share what I have. See, don't miss this principle. This is a God principle. When you keep... What you keep is all you have. What you give, God multiplies. What you hold tight to is all you have. What you share generously, what you give generously, God multiplies. At Miami Church, we value irrational generosity. We truly believe the words of Jesus that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. See, we dream of a church. We dream of a community. We dream of a people, a church of irrationally generous people. A people who are not entitled. People who are not entitled, but rather who are entrusted with God's resources to do more. To do more together than we could ever even think, than we could ever even imagine. Together. See, we, we live open-handed. We, we lead the way with irrational generosity. We truly believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. And this is what I know, and this gets personal for me and for some of you as well. I've been blessed. I've been blessed by so many, including this couple, who blessed my wife and I at the beginning of our marriage with with a house far below the market value. 
And they did something that was so generous and so nice and so open-handed and so countercultural and out of the ordinary that the impact of their generosity is felt by me and my wife and my family years, decades later. And I believe their generosity lasts a lifetime. See, friends, that's the, the power. That's the power of irrational generosity thanks so much for listening today we would love to hear from you you can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at also be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations i hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey 